under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Welcome to it. It is 6 after 6 p.m. Central Time. The 8th of November. Hey, love. 2018. Girl, I've been looking for you. I spoke with your mother the other day and I told her to tell you to call me. Listening to Tyrone Davis. Because I think we should be back together. And I just want to sit down and talk to you. I'd like to come over your place and talk. Oh, wow. Then I can't come over your place anymore. Well, then, whatever I got to say, I'll say it right here. Say it. This is Joey Clark. I'm up here by myself, just jamming for a second. It's been so lonely without you. And as I approach 30, less than a month away, I've started thinking about turning back the hands of time. Not really about regrets of love. Like Tyrone here, but... I'll sing it, sir. I wouldn't be wishing today on a four-leaf clover And leaving would be the last thing on my mind if I could turn back the hands of time mm. But not so much about regret and love But turning back the hands of time Was my life better, simpler, when I was younger? I was talking to somebody earlier today In fact, Lori over at a, the Infusion, the cryo chamber place And uh, I had just missed a friend who I'd worked with at the skating rink over at Fun Zone. Some of you might remember the Fun Zone Skate Center here in Montgomery. The one knocked over by that tornado. Yeah, I worked there for a few years and I just missed Jawan, who I hung out with at Fun Zone, worked with at Fun Zone, and it got me thinking about my high school days, in particular how much of a sad, sad and awkward boy I was. Now I've grown into a somewhat sad, awkward man, but I'm growing nonetheless. It's progress of a kind. And really, I was telling Lori, I don't look back on high school. I don't even really look back on most of college and think, oh, it was better then. No, I, I like being an adult. I like being almost 30. I don't look back on yesterday or 10 years ago or 20 years ago and think, oh, I really had it good then. Now... There's one exception to this. One possible exception. is when you truly are young. 
especially as a guy before puberty, before you have to even worry about, you know, sex. But that's not what tonight's show is about. There's something about how it used to be. That phrase. Modernity is uh, the modern age. It's never lacked critics. There are always people who see only regression, not progression, from a nobler, more glorious past. You know, when men were men and women liked men that way. Of course, you can keep going back, 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 and men have been all sorts of things, but don't get me wrong, I I like being a guy. But for the economic or cultural historian, this this sort of outlook like this golden age thinking, oh, it used to be so good back back when men were men, exactly. The days of yore. It's it's balderdash. It's poppycock. It's nonsense. Think about it, folks. If we had lived a thousand years ago, if I was living a thousand years ago, I would have barely scratched out a living. A difficult living. Hand-to-mouth existence. Constantly on the edge of starvation. Chronically ill. Embedded in a wasteland of vicious error and superstition. I would have been ruled by these guys that call them, what, kings? Noblemen, lords. You can keep your noblemen. You can keep your lords. You can keep all your justifications for government and authority. But beyond that, I never would have heard incredible music. Never would have seen wonderful movies. Read wonderful books. I probably wouldn't have encountered classic philosophy that's informed my life. I probably wouldn't have had the same sort of education and opportunity in general. I probably would have been illiterate if I had been alive a thousand years ago. And probably too far away from any place that had any sort of learned people. And not learned in the elitist way, but just people that kind of knew what they were doing. This is even before the printing press, folks. Think about a thousand years ago. The only means of spreading our knowledge was uh, copying existing works by hand. Or, you know, oral history. To put it simple, if I had lived a thousand years ago, if you had lived a thousand years ago, even 300 years ago, not that long ago, just a few people ago, a few generations, four or five generations, six generations ago, life would have been poor, very poor. Not the type of poor we complain about that is, yes, difficult and frustrating in the United States, but not that type of poor. Actual, abject poverty. It would have been nasty, brutish, and short. 
See, folks who kind of glamorize the remote past practice a selective filter. A filtering of gold from a mountain of ugly, toxic, and dirt. Life was harder back then, not easier. We have progressed out of the muck and the mud. And so there's almost this move now of like, oh, aren't we so alienated in today's life? And this is a point of view that I don't think is just on the left or the right. It's on both. It can come from all sorts of different perspectives, from a secular perspective, from a religious perspective. This idea of, oh, we used to be really close-knit together as communities. We used to really look out for one another. Did we? Did we? I don't know if we did. But let's not go back a thousand years ago. It's obvious. The case is obvious. Life is better today than it was a thousand years ago. Let's go back 50 years ago. Was life actually better? Well, I doubt it. In a way, and I've done a show on this, talking about the music. Just take the music from 50 years ago of 1968. The Beatles' White Album, Electric Ladyland by Hendrix. All sorts of cultural things are happening, whether in music or TV, radio itself. The movies are changing slowly. It's starting to reflect this culture of kids and people who survived the big war. In a way, it might have been better in the sense of, like, the opportunities. You didn't... Everything was so new, so novel, that you just went for it. Like, if you're Eric Clapton playing with Cream, yeah, a few other people before you have played blues music, but they haven't turned it up and created that fuzz tone in the same way. Just go for it. You just go for it. So in some ways today, there's a lot that's been done and been documented. So it feels like nothing is new under the sun. But I've you know talked to people not that much older than I am who can remember not being able to find their favorite piece of music without a lot of work and cost money. Now we can pull it up almost instantly online. Talk about the change and the progression in the American food scene. Now there's almost everybody's an at-home chef. Again, because of the internet, able to pull, and food television, able to pull recipes from all sorts of great minds and practice them themselves and then work on that. More people are exercising today with all sorts of different programs. You don't have to do CrossFit, you can do whatever. More people are meditating. More people are doing yoga. And if you think that stuff's crap, then you find something else. If you don't want to exercise at all, if you feel it's your right as an American to get fat, you can do that. There's plenty of ways to get fat and enjoy it here in the United States. As my point is, life's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yet, yeah, 
right on the heels of this election, and it seems like everybody's just at each other's throats, at least if you're politically minded and politically informed. Everybody's at each other's throats. And I think it's a bit ridiculous. Because these folks don't seem to have perspective or they're so caught up in the political fight of the moment that they let their emotions get the better of them. I'll admit, I I let my emotions get the better of me all the time. I've been intemperate at times. But I'm generally happy with my life and the direction it's going. I'm generally hopeful for the direction of the nation. And it has very little to do with politics. Just with people, with the general trends that have been happening over the last 200 years. Generally, people are getting wealthier. They're getting healthier. And with wealth and health comes better forms of work. Better ways to make a living. Ways of making a living that our grandparents, great-grandparents would look at us and say, you're playing around. That's not work. You're having fun. That's what happens when we get wealthy. And I think generally people are getting smarter. Not dumber. But this all seems at odds, I have to say it again, with what's going on in politics. Because you'll see, for instance, a really stupid thing going on. Being put forward by apparently intelligent people. This idea of the Senate popular vote. That the Democrats won the Senate popular vote around the nation in Senate elections. There's no such thing. Obviously, each state has two senators. The state gets to vote on which senator will represent them. Used to be the legislatures used to pick them. But, you know, we've moved to the wisdom of the people, I think, very unwisely. But somehow there are people out pushing this idea that because if you take all the votes nationwide, all the senators that were up for a vote, the Democrats had more votes that somehow the system isn't fair. Well, that's how the Senate was designed. So you have this urge to look at people and go, do you not know basic civics? You don't understand basic American history and the reasons why they wanted, say, rural states with less populations to maybe have a say, an equal say, as much as a very large populous state. Here's the thing. I think a lot of the people pushing this whole popular vote stuff, wanting to get rid of the Electoral College, wanting to get rid of every what might be construed as anti-democratic aspect of our government, they know exactly what they're doing. They're not stupid. They're not ignorant. They're just pushing their narrative for the sake of power. But it's not just those people pushing that. 
You can take whatever perspective. You can think Trump's overblowing the caravan. You can think CNN and Jim Acosta, as I'm looking on our television screen right now, they're overplaying the fact that, oh my God, my press credentials were revoked, so the freedom of the press is now under threat. You can take whatever perspective and say, man, we've become more shrill and more idiotic when it comes to politics. But I don't think we're actually... idiots. I don't think we're actually in our everyday personal lives that shrill and that ready for a fight. I do not think most people who live and breathe today, especially in the United States of America, are actually all that mean-spirited and ready to cut the other guy's throat. Well, mostly because we are wealthy. We are prosperous, speaking relatively, given human history. It's better to be at the bottom of the heap today than it was 100 years ago, and certainly better to be at the bottom of the heap than it was 200 or 300 or 1,000 years ago. It's clear. There's really no argument against it. So what's going on? We actually are the most charitable nation on earth. Philanthropy is really strong these days. So if we're incredibly charitable as a private giving, if people are generally more educated than folks that came before them, if we're obviously wealthier, then what's going on? Why is it that these wealthy, generous, thoughtful, intelligent people, when they enter the realm of politics, end up sounding like, you know, full-blown, angry, mean-spirited nincompoops. Well, I hate to sound like a broken record here, folks, but uh, I think power corrupts. And so as you have Jim Acosta standing up to the president in the press conference, you have there a media blinded by hubris and corrupted by what they see as their role in relation to power. And in particular, I want to focus on the media because usually I... Talk about a given president or this or that senator or this or that congressman. They're corrupted by power because power corrupts, especially political power. And sometimes I, I don't point out that particular politicians are corrupt, but the people are corrupt. I, I felt it within me, the tyrant in you is the tyrant in me. Think about it next time you're yelling at a family member when politics comes up. Why? It's not like your two votes are actually going to change anything. Statistically speaking. Not symbolically. So why are you ruining friendships? Why are, why are you letting family members make you so angry? Why are you yelling? It's because power tends to corrupt. When we, when we realize we have to fight over it, we get angry. 
We feel like we're under siege. The emotions kicked in. The fight or flight mechanism. But I do want to focus on the press. In a way, I'm part of the media, but I'm here as a talk show host. I'm not a journalist. I read journalism. I'm not coming to you saying everything I'm giving tonight is a fact. It's not. I was talking about my own life and looking back into history. And now how this applies to politics. This isn't straight news. This is opinion. And hopefully this is entertainment. And when I look at the press now, they've become less straight news and more entertainment. The national press in particular have this almost toxic codependent relationship with the President of the United States. Now, of course, it takes two to tango in a codependent relationship. But the more the President fights the press, the more people that support the President tend to like him and say that's why we voted for Donald Trump. The more the president and the press fight, the more people who watch CNN and MSNBC tend to say, this is why I watch CNN and MSNBC. Polarization is good for business. Really good for business. But I don't know where it says in the First Amendment that uh, the freedom of the press means that You're entitled to be able to harangue the president. And ask him 20 questions. Not even ask him a question. Try to pin him down on why did you say this horrible thing? Like you're... The freedom of the press doesn't mean that you get to cross-examine people in power. It doesn't. Now, if you are, I think, a responsible leader, you should be all for talking to the press and talking to people in a truthful way so as you can communicate with the people of the nation. But press access to the White House is not the same thing as freedom of the press. Jim Acosta can still go on CNN like he did last night with Anderson Cooper. And say whatever he likes. Whatever he likes. And to boot, it's good for business. Ratings are up at CNN. Ratings are up at Fox News. Ratings are up at MSNBC. Ratings are up across the board since Trump has been president. And so, as we fight over political power, the press gets caught up in that game. And they become, in a way, a form of political entertainment. It's a sideshow. And instead of reporting on what are can be very boring, complicated matters, when it comes to what this trillion-dollar plus government gives us and and does for us and does against us. 
We don't have time for that. When you sit down and you watch the news or you tune into a radio show, you don't have time to think about every complicated aspect of the United States federal government, let alone your state government. And even if you did have an interest in that sort of stuff, like I said, you don't have the time. And furthermore, journalists and reporters don't necessarily have the time to become specialists in every aspect of government. And it's back to something I was saying on election night. What we have become is a nation that argues over not over whether or not we should be governed in the first place, because we should be a nation founded in liberty, given the presumption of liberty. For all this talk of saving our democracy, and democracy dies in darkness, and we got to keep the Russians out of our democracy, and the Chinese out of our democracy, and we have to maintain the rule of law that one man isn't above the law. Nobody's above the law, except for those of us who make the laws. But nobody is above the law, and you'll hear this. It's coming, folks, from the Democrats who have now taken over the House. They are going to investigate Donald Trump every which way. For all of this, we don't really argue over whether or not we should be governed. And though they can be heated, we don't really get into the details of how we should be governed. We get into arguments over who. It's personal. It's about personality. Whose cult of personality do you like? And who do you disdain? See, the Democrats are really in that position right now. They don't have, they've got a bunch of people. And I know this because we here in the conservative world and mostly Republican land known as Alabama, we didn't have a leader for a long time. So we really were a cult of personality around not liking the last president, Barack Obama. It's now the left's turn, the Democrats' turn to do that. They don't really have a true leader. They've got. Bernie Sanders vying for their attention, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, maybe even Beto O'Rourke will run, even though we just lost. In the classic tradition of Alabama politics, run several times, lose several times, then eventually you'll be in power. You have to lose several times in Alabama before uh, anybody will accept you and take you seriously. It's almost like paying your dues, taking your licks. What is the press seems to be more corrupted and just more and more reduced down to a form of entertainment. We lose a lot of the substance, but there's something I hope that can make sense of this. And a gentleman named Hans. Hans Fien. He wrote about it in The Federalist this week. And it's something I've been thinking about a long time. Something I saw a comedian online talking about. Think about it, folks. Donald Trump. His walk of fame star, I think, was defaced and taken up, right? 
Okay, he's not a Walk of Fame star anymore. Where is Donald Trump, the President of the United States, still a Hall of Fame member? Mm, that's right. The WWE. Professional wrestling. That's Donald Trump. And there's a lot that professional wrestling can teach us. In fact, that's the article that came out this week from Hans at thefederalist.com. Pro wrestling explains why Trump wins every battle with the media. I don't know if Hans is completely thinking this through, but I want to share it after this break. And before we hit this break, I have to... uh, not just have to, I want to tell you about Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Eddie Bader wants to be your buyer's agent. What are you buying? That is a home. If you're looking to be a home buyer, whether it's a growing family, new obligations, or you need more bedrooms, you need more space, maybe you're taking care of an elderly parent, or maybe you're a first time home buyer and it's, you've never done this before. That's why Eddie Bader wants to step in and be your buyer's agent. So what does that mean? It means he's looking out for your interest as the buyer. He's negotiating things like, oh, does this place that you love, the character of, need some fixes and repairs? He can negotiate that in the price so you don't have to get hassled with it yourself. You don't want to be stuck in a fixer-upper if you don't want to be. He's going to look out for the appraisal costs for so many of the other prepaids. And he, the most important thing, is going to take what will be an emotional decision at the end of the day. You're spending that much money on something that's so much of a commitment beyond the money, a home. He can give you a different, sober, expert perspective on that decision. So give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. Make him your buyer's agent for that home you've always wanted. 322-0662. Again, the number 322-0662 or visit thegoodsongroup.com. But it's always best to just call him at 322-0662 and Eddie will say, hey, this is Eddie. Coming up, I'll be explaining how pro wrestling explains Donald Trump's relationship with the media. It's been reduced to a form of entertainment because... We've been corrupted by fights over power. And I'm happy to play my part for now. I love you, so this is what I'm going to tell you. In this new age of politics, it's more about entertainment. And when you're entertaining somebody, whether you're telling a joke or you're putting on a wrestling show, facts do not matter. Yes, you have that right. Facts do not matter. Now, that doesn't stop you from proclaiming that all you want is the truth, that all you're telling is the truth, and that all the other people you're up against are lying liars who lie, and yes, they're also hypocrites. But when it comes to entertainment, facts don't matter. So a little history on wrestling here. Some key terms. Kayfabe. It's the illusion that what happens in wrestling is real. Of course, we're now 
no longer in the kayfabe era. Most people who watch wrestling understand it's scripted. They get that the punches aren't genuine. They get that a lot of the things aren't genuine. Now, you can't fake gravity. You can't fake a lot of the stunts. People actually do end up hurt. So that's one thing. But most people understand this is scripted entertainment. They're in on the joke, so to speak. Now, a gimmick. It's a wrestler's persona or character. Think of Ted DiBiase. He was the million-dollar man. Everybody has a price. Or think of the song I just came into, Brother Love. He kind of played up a, a huckster-ish preacher, you might, televangelist you might see on TV. Would play into that. Now, a baby face, or simply a face, is a wrestler fans generally consider a good guy. A heel, on the other hand, is a bad guy. A monster heel is a terrifying baddie who actually poses a threat to a real baby face, unlike you know, your average heel who's pathetic and cowardly and usually wins by cheating. Getting over in the wrestling world is what happens when fans accept a wrestler's gimmick. When a face gets over, fans reward the baby face, the good guy, with cheers. When a heel gets over, the fans assault him with booze and hatred, also known as heat. Now, in the history of wrestling in the 80s, it was pretty simple. You had your good guy, bad guy, your cartoonish heels like the Iron Sheik or Mr. Perfect. They dripped with cruelty and arrogance. They lied, they cheated, they stealed. They stole. Lie, cheat, steal. And then the faces were like Hulk Hogan. Say your prayers, take your vitamins. They espoused things like patriotism and confidence and honor. But by the Attitude Era, this whole good versus evil thing sort of got blurred. It was more cynical, more pragmatic. We don't just want people that shimmer with virtue. We wanted good guys who shared our vices and kind of spat in the faces of bad guys who still had redeeming qualities. Gone were the days of Hulk Hogan telling kids to say their prayers and take their vitamins. The Attitude Era is the era of Stone Cold Steve Austin, a man who would tell it like it was. And in fact, let's go back in our way back machine about, I think it was about a decade ago, where Donald Trump was in the ring on Monday Night Raw. And Stone Cold, looking at Donald Trump, at that time just known as the rich billionaire guy, the entertainer, cut a promo. And when I play this, think about how Donald Trump treats Jim Acosta. Think about how Donald Trump treats his opponents at his political rallies, how Donald Trump treats his opponents and has for years on Twitter. Think about that and listen to Stone Cold cutting this promo on Donald Trump. He's walking over. You know, Donald, I don't think you and me have been formally introduced yet. My name's Stone Cold Steve Austin, and you're standing in my ring. They're standing about a foot if apart. You're standing in my ring, what I say goes. Do you understand that? You don't have to answer that because I hope you understand that. That's a good-looking tie you got there. You doing okay? Look a little stiff. Glad to have you here. You know, lately, Donald, I've been seeing you on a little TV show, and all of the only thing you got to say is telling people you're fired. Let me tell you something. You're not going to tell Stone Cold Steve Austin he's fired because he don't work for you. He's never going to work for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
I think it's only fair that you give a man fair warning. So I'm gonna break it down to you like this. Donald, in this ring, don't get under my skin. Don't rub me the wrong way. <laughs> don't ruffle my feathers. Basically, long story short, I'm telling you not to piss me off. Because if you do piss me off, I'll whip your ass. Now look at me when I'm talking to you. Because I've done my research on you. I don't give a... Okay, hold on, hold on. This is so bizarre for me. Find the video, folks, because this is Stone Cold just talking down to Donald Trump. At the time, Trump was not president. But now that I can look on television and Trump is president, and yet I still have... The, just look it up. It's surreal. If you're worth a billion dollars, two billion dollars, three billion dollars, four billion dollars, five billion dollars, six billion dollars, seven billion dollars, eight billion dollars. You piss me off, I'll open up an $8 billion can of whoop ass and serve it to you, and that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> so people like that, because, you know, he told it like it was. Nobody intimidated Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nobody. Not Vince McMahon, the owner of the company. Not Donald Trump, the guy who likes to fire people. So why does the media lose all these fights with Donald Trump? But why is it good for their business, too? Well, a funny thing happens when representative republics don't feel very representative anymore. When it feels like, as George Carlin says, the owners own you. After enduring decades of empty promises and ineptitude... Many Americans will come to view politics the way, say, your average wrestling fan will view an episode of Monday Night Raw. We might say to ourselves, I know these guys behind the microphone don't really mean what they're saying. It's all high-stakes theater anyway, drama, staged. But it's also kind of fun. So I'd like to be part of the show. I'll go to the show. I'll yell at the bad guys and boo the bad guys and run them down and I'll cheer the good guys. And if somebody comes along in politics, like, say, President Trump, offers them a chance to say things that they wish they could say, the people in power, smashing these guys they hate, in particular if you're conservative, the national media, oh, it feels good. It feels really good. Put on a good production these days, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll give you the benefit of the doubt on everything else. And very much like it is today when people watch wrestling, we'll say, we know it's fake. Heck, we know, what did Donald Trump say the other day? I try to tell the truth all the time, but I can't always. Pre President Trump plays this beautifully. And if you think about the people that have had the most success in wrestling in WWE recently, it's been John Cena and Roman Reigns. And number one, uh, thoughts and prayers for Roman Reigns. Real name Joe came out the other day, gave a heartfelt, real, very real um, message to folks that he was stepping down, giving up his title because leukemia had come back. So sometimes reality can sneak in 
on the show. Put some little perspective in there. When the show must go on, people like John Cena, like Roman Reigns, they are the most popular because they get both reactions. They're not just a bad guy. They're not just a good guy. Half the crowd boos them. Half the crowd cheers them. And it creates this unreal noise. And certain demographics will boo. Certain demographics will cheer. But it's getting a reaction. And since now the media has become a corrupted form of entertainment, it is not straight journalism really speaking truth to power. And since politics itself has become so corrupted and so reliant on media norms and media platforms, it's really become a glorified form of entertainment. What you really need to do is just put on a good production. Stick it to the people we don't like. And have a consistent gimmick. And that's exactly what Donald Trump does. In particular, he cuts promos left and right on the media. It's what we've been wanting to say. And yet... He also really pisses off people like Jim Costa and progressives. It gets attention. Progressives, people on the left, may hate Donald Trump and his gimmick. Some even saying he's literally Hitler and that hysterical crap. But they also kind of give in. They want in on the fun. They want to talk down to him right in front of him. As the TV cameras and the whole nation watches, then we spin off and we have talk shows about it. What happened yesterday with Jim Acosta and Donald Trump was nothing more than what just happened and I just played for you between Stone Cold and Donald Trump. That's all it was yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. Is Jim Acosta really going to make the lives of those people in that caravan better? Is Jim Acosta doing that with the president actually going to change immigration and naturalization policies of the United States? No! Hell no! But it will entertain us for a news cycle or two. And here's the thing about a heel, a bad guy in wrestling. It's not just that we want to hate them. It's that you want to hate them. It's not that just that you do. You, I mean, you want to. You consist, It's not just you hate them for a moment. You consistently want to hate them. Even if it may be confusing and not always clear, the resistance, in particular the resistance media, wants Trump to be a lying, sexist, white supremacist, dog-whistling monster. They don't want to be persuaded that he might be a little more complicated than that. And so the president plays into the gimmick. The more heat he gets from the media, the more love he gets from his supporters. And the more he gets over on a, as a heel, as a bad guy on the left, the more he gets over as a good guy, as a baby face on the right. And this enables him to destroy the media more easily. But the media doesn't seem to be able to figure this out quite yet. I think some of the people running these companies understand it, but they keep 
buying into this, I don't know, on issue after issue. They want to be good guys, the media does, but they love embracing the heel, the bad guy tactics. They kind of like the lie, cheat, and steal themselves because it's fun. They constantly misrepresent what the president says, issue after issue, just for the sake of attacking him. They blame him for things that really have nothing to do with him, say, like pipe bombs. Really, this is just the opposition. This is what politics has become. You know, and this would work if the media would just own up to saying, you know, we're not pure, we're not saints, we're not wonderful. But they also want to act like we are these virtuous, wonderful people, that we're the ones protecting democracy because it dies in darkness. We're the ones that are protecting the freedom of the press and speaking truth to power, and everybody knows they're kind of full of crap. This idea that they're respectable and objective journalists, that essentially they're a bunch of clones of Walter Cronkite in mass, is nonsense. What's happening is there are a lot of people in that middle ground, because that's the biggest group these days, independents. We're starting to make decisions based on the entertainment. But here's the thing, as is obvious, folks. Politics shouldn't be our entertainment. It shouldn't be even the most important thing in our lives, but it sure as hell shouldn't be entertainment. Our entertainment should be movies and sitcoms. Hell, even documentaries or read a book every once in a while or watch a wrestling match. Our politics should be boring. It should be for the nerds. It should be for the elite, in my opinion. But the more and more we become little d-democratic... the more we decide that the people must vote on everything. And not just vote on everything in the sense of, okay, the people of Montgomery vote for the people of Montgomery, the people of Alabama vote for the people of Alabama. No, 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 no. The whole nation must decide for 300-plus million people exactly what the one plan is going to be. And since that system... That process of trying to create some universal one-size-fits-all plan doesn't work out. We give in to cynicism. We're corrupted by power. And to make up for that corruption and to face the hard truth or actually to look away from the hard truth that we're all a bit corrupted by that power, well, we entertain ourselves. And we almost become over-the-top characters in advancing our cause. Like, I'm not playing the role of Joey. I'm playing the role of dutiful, patriotic Trump supporter. I'm not playing the role of... I'm not just being Joey. I'm playing the role of resistance fighter against the misogynist, racist, 
nationalist, white nationalist president. You can't just be yourself, full of doubts and... No, you have to actually buy into these roles and assume the worst of your opponents. My hope is that we make politics less and less important. Less and less entertaining. Boring, even. Or we find somebody who can do it better than we're currently doing it. It's one of the two. Because I think we could have a better heel or baby face than Donald Trump. I'm not talking about policy. I'm just talking about we could have somebody even more entertaining, don't you? I know you don't believe it now. I didn't believe Trump, though, could be there. We could have somebody even better. We're in sweeps, folks. We could have incredible ratings. <laughs> we'll see. But given that politics is this big, at-large, uncharitable, bad-faith-ridden form of entertainment, I'm going to watch wrestling instead. That said, ladies and gentlemen, I love you. Doesn't mean I like you necessarily, but I love you all. (laughs) I'll be back tomorrow night. Should have some folks in studio. It won't just be me going on and on and on. I did have fun tonight. I entertained myself. I hope it entertained you. Until tomorrow night. Ta-ta. Joey Clark.